This is Talking Work. I'm Deborah Ishihara. All over the world now, people are suffering from the effects of shortages of energy and supplies and inflation, both personally and in terms of their jobs. Our clients are asking about a whole range of issues to do with this at the moment, and so we felt it was the right time to pool our resources of expertise and do a project answering some of the key questions for employers. I'm going to be talking today to the head of our international expert groups about that project. Welcome to Talking Work, the employment law podcast by Use Laboris. In each episode, we invite a different guest to discuss what's happening in the world of work. If you're an HR professional of any kind, this podcast is for you. Sophie Maas, partner at our Belgian law firm Kleissen Engels, is going to tell us all about what we're calling our crisis management project today. Hi Sophie, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast once again. Hello Deborah, it's a pleasure to be here again. First of all, Sophie, can you tell me something about the aims of the Crisis Management Project? Uh, yes, of course. Um, well, actually, within USLA Boris, um, we have nine expert groups. So expert groups uh, which address specific areas of expertise, uh, like compensation and benefits, restructuring, privacy, individual employment rights, uh, DNA, and uh, so forth. And when we met with our expert group chairs in September, we kind of all agreed that the topic at our clients' Um, mind at the moment is for sure the price crisis in Europe, mainly as a result of the energy crisis, but also, as you already indicated, in other parts of the world because of big uh, inflation issues. So we thought indeed that it was about time to do something about that or to create something. And we decided to come up with some uh, questions and answers um, to address a topic from different angles based on the client, on the questions we received uh, from our clients in our specific uh, areas of expertise. And the result of that was more than 20 uh, Q&As, which we then uh, distributed along our members. So we have answers from, in some cases, up to 40 uh, jurisdictions. And we then um, uh, divided all those questions in order to give it a bit more structure in four sections. So two sections looking at more short-term temporary measures uh, that organizations uh, can do, and then uh, two sections looking uh, more at the long-term measures and long-term effects. Of course, we are all employment lawyers. We look at it uh, from an HR uh, perspective. Okay. So to put a bit of flesh on the bones here then, what questions have you tried to answer in terms of our first category, temporary measures to reduce energy costs? Well, actually, the first question is by far the largest one, and it deals with 10 questions asked. And really, it is based on the questions that we have received in those last months uh, from our clients. So questions were like, can employers impose homeworking unilaterally or increase homeworking unilaterally to save on energy costs or perhaps premises costs? And if that is the case, or if even if it is not the case, of course, if employees now have to work more from home, can must employers then intervene in increased energy bills from the employees? Or can, for example, an employee decide, well, actually, instead of staying here in my cold uh, apartment, I would like to go uh, in during the winter to a place, let's say, India, and work from the beach where cost of living is much lower and where I do not have those high uh, energy bills? Can an employee decide that unilaterally? And what if we, we think about energy shortages? If they may come, for example, during the winter, what kind of measures can employers take to mitigate the health and safety risks? And must employers guarantee a minimum or maximum temperature in the workplace? 
Another topic that we wanted to address uh, was uh, also to know whether governments have already uh, taken measures a bit similar as what we had uh, during COVID, like government programs to enable employers to temporarily reduce operations because of energy crisis. Think of uh, short work in Germany or furlough systems in, in the UK. Um, another thing uh, that uh, we then also uh, asked our members is more generally, what do you see in practice that your clients are doing in order uh, to deal uh, with the price crisis? So this, these are big, largely the type of questions that we wanted to address under that first uh, category. Okay, now obviously we have answers to these questions from all over the world, so we have an enormous bank of data here, um, but are there findings on any of those questions that you'd like to flag up to us, just to give a flavour of what we found, Sophie? Um, well, actually, the first one, um, and of course, not surprisingly, is that all countries in almost responded that homeworking can, of course, not be imposed unilaterally by the employer because the agreement uh, between the parties is uh, needed. Uh, with uh, one exception uh, was uh, China, because China responded that it was possible to impose that unilaterally as long as it does not involve a change of contractual terms and conditions, such as compensation and uh, benefits. But likewise, also our employee cannot decide unilaterally to go working from the beach, let's say in India or in Turkey, um, instead of working uh, from home. And because also, therefore, the agreement between the parties is needed because the place of employment is indeed an essential term uh, of the employment contract. Some countries like Switzerland, Croatia and Latvia responded that it was possible to provide, for example, a clause or to agree a clause in the agreement uh, that the employee could work remotely from everywhere they uh, want. So that was kind of the first category uh, of questions. Um, then also as to the question whether governments have introduced similar programs as those we have seen uh, during COVID to enable employers to temporarily reduce operations uh, because of the energy crisis, well, there it seems that not too many countries seem uh, to have done so. In France, uh, we have a system called technical uh, unemployment, but that is as such unrelated to the energy crisis, but could be used in such case uh, as well. But in other countries, we have seen that governments have taken uh, steps. Uh, for example, this is a case in my country, in Belgium, where we have a similar or a, a more easy system of economic unemployment for uh, companies suffering uh, from the energy crisis. Um, and it will apply from 15 September to the 31st of March uh, 2023. Um, we have seen similar uh, uh, approaches also in Germany, where the system, the COVID system, has been extended until June of next year, and also in Austria until the end of the year. And I think also in Sweden, uh, steps are being uh, taken. And on the last category, perhaps the most interesting one, is to, to know what do we see uh, that our clients have done in practice to deal uh, with the price crisis. And there, for example, Denmark uh, reported that employers are generally lowering uh, workplace temperatures and try to limit uh, the use of electricity. Um, some other employers also implemented uh, business travel. Uh, restrictions to save both on cost and energy. But then also interesting, for example, in Finland, uh, they reported that some companies 
have shifted work to a time when energy prices are lower. For example, in the evening or at night, of course, all within the possibilities uh, what of the applicable collective uh, agreements uh, and the law. And then, for example, last example is in my country, we have uh, Belgium. Uh, we have automatic uh, indexation. Um, and that, as a result, we see, for example, in the Joint Committee 200, which is a an industry which covers a lot of companies, we will have an increase of, it is now predicted as of the 1st of January, of 10.5%. So many, uh, several companies we have seen has started uh, uh, to uh, go into salary negotiations uh, with the unions in order to see, to reduce uh, salaries and to look at whether there are not uh, more um, interesting uh, alternatives and benefits that can be introduced with a more friendly tax and social security uh, treatment in order to uh, maintain purchasing power uh, for uh, the employees. So that are kind of examples of measures uh, that we have seen. Mm, wow, that's very interesting. And what about the second of the four main categories, which is about helping people with the cost of living? Um, well, in that category, we had a look at what employers could, for example, do to help employees who are really suffering uh, from the cost of living crisis. And one of the questions was, could, for example, uh, employers offer one-time payments uh, to help them to deal with the increased energy bills? And if that is the case, what are the tax and social security uh, consequences uh, of such uh, payments? And if they grant such payments, can they attach any conditions to that? For example, that employees are leaving within a certain time frame that they then have to reimburse the whole premium or, or part of it. And also can be prorated, for example, for part-time employees, or can we say that we will only give it to employees up to a certain salary level, for example, or only for employees who are actually in financial need. But if we would like to address this, then we also had to look at what kind of privacy issues uh, this uh, may entail. Um, other questions were, does such payments uh, create pensional salary, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, okay. Um, so again, Sophie, there's lots of data, but is there anything that stands out from our findings? Um, well, let's say you want to help your employees and you want to provide them a one-term uh, payment. So one of the conditions we, or one of the questions, let's say we looked at, can we attach any conditions to it? Like can uh, we impose then that employees, if they leave within a certain time frame, uh, that they have to reimburse or at least uh, part of it. And there we have seen that responses from that we have received from the countries were quite uh, evenly uh, divided. So we had 10 responses saying, no, this is not possible. We had nine responses saying, yes, we can do that. And then we have seven responses uh, saying it depends. Um, but what we have noticed is that the countries even who say, yes, it's possible or it, it depends, um, that they had added that, for example, Greece added that it was quite uncommon uh, to do that. Or uh, other countries like Bulgaria, Croatia, Denmark and Italy responded that they would certainly not advise to do so. Or other countries also said that such clauses should be drafted very carefully and only be kept for very special reasons. That was a comment made by, for example, Germany and Hong Kong. Mm. So, Sophie, what about the third category then, incentives? Um, well, there we looked a bit at, in a, at the long term and the questions we asked there was really to know uh, whether there are any incentives in place for employees to 
uh, reduce energy uh, costs. Um, and questions uh, we asked was, can ex employers, for example, include in uh, incentive plans, benefit plans, uh, KPI, uh, KPIs which relates to uh, energy uh, savings? Um, another question was whether governments have introduced a specific uh, tax or social security deductions or benefits in order to incentivize uh, employees to reduce uh, energy and travel costs or carbon uh, emissions. Um, another question was also whether we can, as a company, involve employees in developing ideas for energy uh, savings, for example, by holding ID contests or something like that. And what did this section reveal internationally, Sophie? Um, well, actually, as to the first question, um, I think everybody almost responded, yes, yes, we can um, include KPIs from a legal perspective uh, related to energy uh, savings. But most countries reported that this was not yet very uh, much the case or not very common uh, at the moment. Of course, I, we think that that might change in the future because what is happening now, but also as a result of the increased uh, focus we have now on, on ESG matters. Um, also, and that was a bit to my surprise, many companies uh, reported that there were not yet any factor social security uh, measures in place or benefits uh, to incentivize employees to reduce energy costs or travel costs or carbon emissions. For example, it is a case uh, in relation to company cars in Belgium and also in Luxembourg. We have seen some of this. And finally, in terms of the consequences of all this, what did we ask our experts to tell us? Um, yeah, well, the last set of questions indeed look at some effects uh, of the crisis. Um, and some of those measures in the long run. So questions that we, we have addressed were, what are the challenges uh, that pension schemes are facing now due to the cost of living uh, crisis? And then also in case of, if we have to uh, proceed with the restructuring, how do we deal with that if employees are working uh, remotely? Um, another thing that we had looked at uh, is, for example, if you would uh, consider uh, to employ somebody in a country where cost of living is much lower and also where social security and tax uh, contributions are uh, much uh, lower, but where you don't have a company, uh, but you want to employ the employee there for all of those uh, reasons, and then you put them on another uh, on the payroll of another company. That is something we now also see not only in relation uh, with this price crisis, but also as uh, to respond to the war for talent, where the globe is, uh, has become one global talent pool and where we employ employees a bit from everywhere. But the question is then if we put them on the wrong payroll, what are the risks and consequences uh, there? Um, another uh, question we looked at is what in, if a company uh, decides to introduce new technology? Um, to save costs and what obligations do employers have uh, to rescale uh, their employees and what is the role of uh, the unions in all of this. Mm -hmm. And Sophie, do you have any standout data about these questions? Well, for example, um, 
in relation to the question, what, what are the risks employees are being put on payrolls of other companies that are actually not the company they are actually uh, working for? Well, there we have many uh, countries reporting that that in fact constitutes uh, um, risks of uh, prohibited lease of personnel and all the consequences thereof, because uh, that can give rise to, in some countries, even criminal penalties or at least some uh, civil uh, penalties, but there are also other issues uh, like decisions that are not being taken by uh, the correct company or also in case of dismissal that you might have issues of un uh, in order to justify the dismissal because actually the, the real employee does not really have a genuine dismissal reason because the reason is related to another company. So all of those uh, things um, have uh, been reported at least uh, for some countries. So it's definitely something uh, to look at. Um, and then also in relation to the question in re uh, relation to rescaling uh, obligations, uh, there we can say that generally uh, legal systems do not yet impose obligations which are quite specific to digital uh, rescaling. But uh, that being said, we have seen that almost half of the countries that responded somehow reported that there was a general obligation uh, to train uh, their, uh, their, their employees. For example, that's the case in France, in the Netherlands, in Belgium, in Mexico, Colombia, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, but again, not everywhere, like in Chile and in Sweden, uh, that is not the case. Um, also, some, uh, it has been reported that... Um, for example, in case of collective redundancies, one of the obligations is also to uh, inform and consult with the unions and the employee representatives about uh, the way to avoid or reduce redundancies and then in or at least to mitigate their effects. And then this may involve exploring reskilling uh, and uh, so forth. Uh, but generally speaking, the comment was made that unions are not yet that active uh, on this subject. Um, that again being said, Sweden reported that very recently the, the, un the employer organizations and uh, unions have uh, reached an agreement, a new collective bargaining agreement uh, that grants employees support uh, when they are about to uh, reskill and look for new uh, paths in uh, their career. And then, of course, also in Germany, uh, reported that they in general have coded, the Works Council has uh, code determination rights in relation to uh, professional training measures. Well, thank you so much, Sophie, for all those thoughts and for coming on the podcast today. Um, as I mentioned, today's podcast is just a flavour of the sorts of things covered by our major crisis management project. For the project, we asked 22 questions on a range of employment-related topics, and we had responses from up to 40 different countries. So there's a wealth of information in there, and I really would recommend you take a look. We've put a link to it in the notes. Um, we've also included Sophie's details in the notes, plus mine too, and you're welcome to get in touch any time. If you're not sure exactly who you need to speak to, don't worry, contact me and I'll put you in touch with the right person. Um, and if you'd like to find out more about any other aspects of employment law, we have a massive information on our website. So please do have a browse around at useoftheboris.com. Thanks for listening and do join us again. That's it for this episode of Talking Work. But we'll be back very soon with more insights from our guests from around the world. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit usaboris.com to access all our content, resources and tools.